cravings unless it's an intense craving for God. Too many of us are not walking in self-control and we give in to those lusts. And what you find is that that sin is pleasurable for a season, but then when you give in to that craving, ultimately it hollows you out from the inside. We've all in different ways experienced that. Though pregnancy stereotypically comes with strong and sometimes strange food cravings, the truth is that everyone experiences powerful desires for all kinds of different things. Today, Pastor Daniel encourages you to fight these cravings because they will harm you in the end. As good as it may feel to get what you wanted at first, you'll be left hurting and empty. Pastor Daniel urges you to walk with self-control and cling to the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 11 as he continues his message, Prophets, Poultry, and Problems. There's quail everywhere, about three feet high. The most diminutive person didn't even have to get a step stool. They could get all the poultry that they needed. And notice what it says. The people stayed up all that day, verse 32, all night and all the next day. So they were having a poultry party. They were excited that the meat was there and they were collecting it. Now, 10 homers were probably about 500 gallons. So this is a lot of bird that they got here. A lot of it. And literally what happened is is they have all this. They're killing all these quails. It's a two-day affair. They're getting them all. And it says, and while the meat was still between their teeth, Before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. And so what you have is that God's judgment to the people, ironically enough, was giving the people exactly what they wanted. Now listen, if you read Romans chapter 1, what you learn is that often God's way of bringing judgment on a people is actually giving you exactly what you want. And that's a terrifying reality, isn't it? Sometimes God's way of showing his displeasure in your life is to actually give you everything you ever dreamed of. Read Romans 1. Romans chapter 1, the second half of it, like verses 18 to 27 or 30 or whatever it is there, that's actually the most spot-on description of the culture that you and I live in right now, that God is actually giving our culture over to its own depravity. And that's a tragedy, that God's judgment is giving you your fallen desires so that it can consume you. And in a lot of ways, if you think about it, it says that the Spirit of God convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. See, the proof that we're God's kid is that God checks our heart that that's not who you're supposed to be. And one of the greatest proofs that I believe that you are God's kid is when you get convicted for things. 
I had a guy recently came up to me. He was talking to me. He said, Pastor Daniel, I am so convicted because I struggle with pornography. And I said, praise God. Looked at me. I'm like, you realize that 70% of the men in America view pornography and don't struggle with it at all. They just do it. I'm like, the fact that you are convicted of it proves that you're God's child. And the fact that some people aren't convicted is also proof that they are not God's children because God is giving them over to exactly what they want, which is the depravity of their own heart. And that giving over to our desires unrestrained is its own form of judgment. God often uses natural means. See, all they wanted was meat. They didn't want the Lord. They just wanted meat. And God gave them meat. And that meat was their own judgment. It says while it was still in their teeth, they hadn't even chewed it yet, it became a curse to them. And they named that place Kibroth Hatah Avah, which literally means the graves of lust or the graves of craving. One of my first memories of ever listening to a Bible teacher was Pastor Chuck Smith teaching this, and with Pastor Chuck's voice, he's now home with the Lord, he'd say, Kibroth Hatah Avah. I could just hear it in my ear, the graves of lust. The graves of lust. Brother, sister, listen. Don't give in to your intense cravings unless it's an intense craving for God. Too many of us are not walking in self-control and we give in to those lusts. And what you find is that that sin is pleasurable for a season, but then when you give in to that craving, ultimately it hollows you out from the inside. We've all in different ways experienced that. It's a momentary pleasure which ultimately turns into something that completely dehumanizes you. And we all have them. We all have those intense cravings of the body, the lustings of the body. Someone always is bound to say, well, listen, okay, pastor, I get what you're saying, but how do we know? How do we know what we should and shouldn't do? Listen, all of the desires of your body need to be brought under the authority of Jesus Christ. So let me give an example. Food, we all need it. You need it to live. If you don't eat, you will die. But if you overeat, you will also die. So we need to bring our eating under the authority of Jesus. Lord, am I honoring you with the way that I am caring for my body? Now, I use that. That's a personal struggle of mine. I come from a long line of square people. And I'm all Italian, so the more carbs, the better. But as I'm getting older, I can't do what I used to do because I'm ballooning. You know, and so it's like, Lord, I want to honor you with my, this is your temple. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I want to honor you with that. So I have to deal with that stuff and I have to go to the gym, not because I like it. I think it's the craziest thing in the world. I mean, who would want to do that with their spare time? Not me, but I go anyway because I have to, because if not, I'm dishonoring God with my body, your sexuality. You were created a sexual being in the image and likeness of God. Your sexuality is meant to be an act of worship, but you take your sexuality out from under the authority of Jesus and you have all sorts of sexual immorality of all different sorts, heterosexual, sexual immorality, 
homosexual sexual immorality, of all different sorts, because we take our sexuality and the desires of the body out from under the authority of Jesus, and then you have sinfulness. Something like sleeping. You need to sleep. Sleep deprivation is a form of cruel and unusual punishment. But what happens is if you take sleeping out from under the authority of Jesus, you might have somebody who is slothful or lazy. See, none of these things are inherently bad. They become bad when you take them out from under the authority of Jesus. So you have to ask yourself, God, does this glorify you the way that I am stewarding these areas of my life? And you have finance. You you go through the whole list, everything that's a part of your life. Is this under the authority of Jesus, under the authority of the word of God? I think finances is a huge area in our life where so many Americans, their finances are not under the authority of Jesus. They're under the authority of good old-fashioned materialistic capitalism. Where it's like, it's my money, I just want to spend, spend, spend. I'm going to buy things I don't need. And I'm going to run up debt and I'm going to figure out how to live my life. No, when you put your finances under the authority of Jesus, you realize, God, I honor you with my finances first. And then whatever's left, I take care of it in a way that honors you. See, the beauty is, is 100% of your finances is the Lord's. Not just 10% or a tithe and an offering. 100% of your finances is the Lord's to distribute as he sees fit. And you don't know how many times, and I don't pat myself on the back, I was just naive enough as a young Christian to say, well, if it says I'm supposed to give a tithe and then an offering, and I'll deal with the rest, okay, I'm going to do that. I was that naive. Sounds good. But all along the way, I made all these different decisions because I needed to honor the Lord with my money. I'm like, you know, I really want that, but do I really need that? And I started to learn the difference between a want and a need. Is that really essential for life, or is it just me being materialistic? I really don't need it. It was amazing. I sold, and I'm not patting myself, this has been my experience. I sold a gorgeous upright bass. It was like I had bought it. I was in debt for it. I was playing music professionally. It was a great bass. And I remember when I started walking with the Lord, I'm like, that's a problem. And I sold it. It's amazing. I got an even nicer bass now that I never even paid for. Because the Lord, when you put your finances under the Lord's authority, he will do things that you'll be like, I can't even imagine that. I can't, like, I'll be honest with you. As a professional bass player, I've only bought one of the instruments that I play. All of the rest have been given to me. Not because I'm like some extraordinary, it's just like all of a sudden people are like, here, here you go. I actually sold a bass to a guy and he gave it back to me five years later. He's like, I just, not a Christian, he's like, I just think you're supposed, this bass is supposed to be with you. I'm like, Okay. And I share that, not to pat myself on the back, but when you put your finances under the authority of God, then you also put your finances under the pleasure of God. And then God can do things that you would never even have imagined because you're like, Lord, I don't really need that, but it would be fun. And then all of a sudden it shows up and you're like, wow. So I share that with you. Again, not patting myself on the back. I need grace and I need God's forgiveness in a million areas. But every part of your life, you have to say, is this truly under the authority of Jesus? And the ones that are not, you need to say, Lord, I need you to help me order this part of my life. Because for each one of us, the graves of lust is real. And in the end of the day, people lost their lives there. And for many of us, we're losing the vitality of our lives because it's being sapped by giving in to the graves of lust, of whatever 
form they are. Now, look at what happens. So we have the prophets, the poultry. Now we have the problem. Look what happens in verse 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he was married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. And then Aaron turned towards Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin against us or on us, in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people moved from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Now, all this is going on, and now we have a family dilemma. Now, Moses' own sister and brother, they show up. Now, notice the first accusation was about the fact that he had married an Ethiopian woman. And now, scholars wonder if Moses' wife, Zipporah, was actually, we know that he met her in the Midian wilderness, that she was actually an Ethiopian. We don't know if maybe Moses either married another woman and took a second wife, or if Zipporah had died. We don't have a lot of backstory. But notice their first issue with Moses was about his wife. Now, but their real issue with Moses comes in in verse 2. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Now, verse 1, that's the smokescreen. Verse 2 is the real issue. Oftentimes, when people have issues with other people, the thing that they're yelling about is actually the smokescreen. It's not the hard issue. The hard issue for Miriam and Aaron is that Moses is the one who God is using profoundly. There's a spiritual issue that they have with their brother. They don't like the fact that he's the man in that way. Moses has a special relationship with God, and they are envious of Moses. So the reason I say that is because oftentimes when people bring you a bunch of garbage but they're really all upset about, a lot of times it's a smokescreen for what the real issue is. 
And what happens for most of us is we get so caught up in the smokescreen, we actually never get to the heart of the matter with people. And Jesus was phenomenal at seeing through the smokescreen and getting to the heart of the matter. What's interesting, if you notice, as all this goes on, the Lord never actually addresses Moses' wife in any way. The Lord doesn't even deal with it. Why? Because the Lord knows that the issue is not Moses' wife. The issue is they are envious of Moses. That's the issue. Now, listen, my friends, I would love to say, oh, I can't believe they're that way, but we're all envious, and because we're envious, we all do silly things, don't we? We have that fallenness in our heart. We look upon somebody or what they have or how they have it or what it is, and you say, man, that should be me, and oh, yeah, you know, like his wife's such a loser or whatever. You know what I mean? And we find a reason to not like somebody. I, listen, it's unfortunate the body of Christ can be this way, but like you watch people who God is using someone and all people want to do is find a reason not to like them just because God's using them. Oh, yeah, you know? And it's all just envy. You totally miss out on what God is doing. Miriam and Aaron had front row seats to everything. But instead, now they have this big issue with their brother, all because of envy. And so I just encourage you to be careful of envy in your own heart. What it does, it destroys relationships. Envy destroys people. People literally tear people down for envy. Be careful, my friends. It's very real. Now, you'll notice this great little parenthesis in verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. You notice that little parenthesis, right? Now, if you've heard about a source or document hypothesis with the Torah, which a lot of people say, well, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy was all written by Moses. Then you read something like that, and you say, well, did Moses really write in parentheses, now I'm the most humble man? You notice it's in the third, he's talking about himself in the third person, right? Which, you know if someone says, they am the most humble person you ever met, you know that they're not, right? I do that with my kids all the time. Because my kids are cute, and they're, and they're super innocent, and like, Obadiah will be like, yeah, I'm such a good soccer player. I'm like, yeah, you're a humble one too, buddy. You know? And he's just having fun, but he doesn't realize that what he's saying sounds kind of boastful. You know, but if someone comes to you like, oh, yeah, I have the spiritual gift of humility, you're like, yeah, bro. That's all right. Like, I'm so humble. Can you imagine that? Someone saying that to you, you'd be like, you know, if they were humble, they wouldn't say that. And so this is one of those texts that you're like, oh, maybe, maybe this was compiled and there's commentary put into it. So for some of you who always grew up in church hearing that all these books were written only by Moses, maybe not. I don't know. We call them the books of Moses. We also have the whole description of Moses being buried, which I don't know how he pulled that off. But, but there's reasons why this stuff, why these, these ways of viewing it, it doesn't mean, like, it's not like God is diminished by the fact that Moses didn't pen all this stuff. No one says only it could be Moses. So when you have that kind of parenthesis, but it's, it's actually a beautiful parenthesis, isn't it? That, I mean, what to God that all of God's kids, so-and-so is such a humble person. The, even though greatly used, the lowliest of amongst all the people. And so you have that. And then finally, God intervenes in a powerful way. He says, come to the tabernacle of meeting. The Lord comes down in verse five and he speaks to them. And pretty much what he says is, hello, Moses has a special relationship with me. Why would you want to speak against that? That's what he says. 
He's saying, look, Moses is my friend. Moses sees my form. Right? The idea of speaking to Moses face to face, because some of you doesn't say that nobody can see God face to face. That's a Hebraism saying there's an intimacy there. If you recall back on Mount Sinai, Moses is like, Lord, let me see your glory. He's like, well, you really can't, but I can show you my, my hind parts. We call it a theophany. A th- a th- that's pretty good, right? Theophany, right? It's a, I call it, that's, a, that's God's theophany. He's like, I'm going to cover you, but you can see, the, you can see this. this is my good, my good angle. But really, the, it'll come later. Trust me. You'll think about it. You're like, oh, Fusca's funny. That was a good one. The idea of speaking to Moses face to face, I speak to him as a friend. He's my friend. And you know what the beautiful thing is? We just studied it in John's gospel. Jesus calls you friend too. How cool is that? God said, we're friends. We're boys. We're peeps. We're, you're in my posse, my entourage. You get to join me on the red carpet. That's a powerful reality for us. But he says to Miriam and, and Aaron, don't you realize what's going on here? I'm not giving Moses it in dark sayings and visions. I'm talking to Moses. And you guys should read. Why would you think of coming against that? And so sure enough, look at what goes on. The Lord speaks and the aftermath is pretty bad. The anger of the Lord in verse 9 is, is aroused against them. And he departed. And the, as the cloud departed, from the, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. And then, so Miriam becomes a leper. Now, what was really funny is a couple of weeks ago, uh, Kate, who's our worship leader, she got in touch. She says, okay, Pastor, hey, I'm, I'm going to be leading worship on this day. And so what are you going to be teaching on? I'm like, well, it's funny that you ask, because I'm going to be teaching on uh, Miriam becoming a leper. So good luck with a worship song for that. And then Kate's like, I got a song. And she started singing, she was a leper. You know, like, saws breaking out. Oh, when she comes out, we'll make her sing it for us. It's super cool, you know. And, but, but she had, I'm like, that's a great song. We don't have any songs about people becoming lepers that we can worship over. She became a leper. And then Aaron gets nervous. That's what happens. You notice, Aaron gets nervous and starts crying out like, oh, Moses, don't let this happen to me. Like, he sees his sister. He's like, I'm in a, we're in a bad way right now. And he says, don't let this happen. And what's amazing is notice Moses' response. Verse 13. Please heal her, O God, I pray. Isn't Moses golden right now? Not only is he like, look, it's not about me, Joshua, that all of God's people would be prophets. And now his sister and his brother come up against him and she becomes a leper and he says, Lord, please heal her. Thanks for sticking with us today as Pastor Daniel shared that God wants you to know him personally. You learned that Moses spoke to God as a friend. There was a unique intimacy in their relationship. Amazingly, you can have the same thing. Pastor Daniel shared that Jesus calls you his friend. When you admit your brokenness and ask Jesus to rescue you, you begin your own friendship with the God of the universe. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. 
thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Make sure to tune in again when Pastor Daniel sets the stage as the Israelites are on the edge of the fulfillment of God's promise to give them a land of their own. You'll see that God delivered his people out of Egypt so that he could bring them into something new, but they aren't sure that they want it. Though God has continually proven himself faithful, you'll notice that they are filled with fear and doubt that he'll do what he promised. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Wilderness. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.